reading is taken from Isaiah 6, verses 1 to 10. Isaiah 6, found on the, in the Pew Bibles, page 690, 690. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. He said, Go and tell this people, Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, Make their eyes dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Janet, thank you so much. So we're in our series on how we hear God. We're thinking over the next few weeks about different ways in which we actually hear God. It's a phrase we use a lot, hearing God, but we want to get practical this term. And we want to think, what does that actually mean? How do I hear God speak to me? Because very few of us have this audible voice or writing in the sky, if only it was like that all the time. But it's not. But God does speak. And we're spending some time looking at different passages in scripture where people are aware of God speaking to them. And today we've turned to Isaiah. And this comes, um, chapter 6 of Isaiah, And this is known as Isaiah's commission. And Isaiah is in the temple, worshipping. The normal habit of worshipping. And he has an incredible vision from God. So what we're going to think about today is how we hear God through worship. You might be thinking this is one of the most contentious topics, because worship is often the thing that can cause quite a lot of, of divisions and disagreements. But I want us to go back to the basics of what we actually mean by worship and what our expectations are when we come to worship. Worship is all of our life. But there is something about when we come together that we join in worship together that gives a powerful place for God to come and to speak. I'm going to show a a short video clip. It's uh, three minutes long. And it's part of um, a website that uh, produces materials for helping teachers with RE in schools. So it's aimed at secondary pupils, but I think it's actually really good for all of us. Um, 
because actually it goes back to basics of what worship is and what happens when we worship. It's a, a youth, uh, a worship pastor from a church in Sheffield who's speaking. He's talking about his experience is one particular type of worship, but he goes on to say how worship can uh, be offered in a variety of different ways. But he goes back to the basics. Why do Christians worship? And I think it's helpful for us, before we go any further, to, to fix what we mean by that. Thanks, Mike. Hi, my name is Pete James. I'm a worship pastor for a church in Sheffield. I believe worship is something that every human being is created to do and actually created for. Every one of us has a a desire to give worth to, which is essentially what the word worship means, to place value upon. And uh, we can do that in so many different ways. Uh, We can look to celebrities or material possessions like sports cars or, uh, you know, money and career. But actually, true worship and the only kind of worship that satisfies us is when it's directed at the one who made us, the one who constructed us and knows how we're created. If you were to spend any time in a church environment, you might begin to hear about this a job title or role of a worship leader. It's a very mysterious name uh, or job title to give someone. But that's what I do. Essentially, my role is to help the people in the church direct their worship to God. And we do that a lot through song. It's a really accessible way for people to worship. Um, it's very corporate and inclusive. Uh, but we use a lot of other methods too. We use scripture from the Bible. We use uh, liturgy, which is just written words. So if you're in the Anglican church, you may be familiar with that. And lots of other creative methods as well. So you might find uh, paintings or uh, candles or storytelling. There's lots and lots of ways that we engage with our worship. And my role is really just to help people on that journey. When I'm leading a time of worship, I'm always trying to be aware of who is in the room. I want to know uh, how old they are, how many people are going to be there. Sometimes it might only be 15 or 20 people. Sometimes it might be several thousand. And I want to know what their background is. I want to try and pitch the worship to be as gathering as possible. I don't want to leave anybody out. And so at the church I work for, uh, I'm aware of that in, uh, in my role there. And we use a lot of songs that are uh, traditional Anglican songs. So a lot of hymns such as Amazing Grace. You may have heard of that hymn. We would use that and, and other hymns that are quite old. Uh, and then we use more modern songs that are, uh, if you like, contemporary worship songs. Some are even played on the, the radio and on TV. Uh, and then there's songs that uh, I will have written or other members of my team. So we have a broad spectrum of material that we use. I believe God loves to speak to his people. I believe that actually every person on the planet belongs to God and that he made us. And therefore it comes as no surprise that he would love to communicate with the people he's made. And how does he do that? Well, sometimes through our worship and sometimes through the songs we sing, it might just be a phrase or a word uh, stands out and it might uh, impact you, it might uh, jog some thoughts or some memories. Uh, It might be that even through reading the scriptures, through reading the Bible, that uh, a verse begins to stand out to you and it might be that you feel God is giving you uh, some kind of idea or direction for your life. Um, 
But I don't find it uh, surprising at all that the one who made us would want to communicate with us. So we are made to worship God. We are designed to worship him. If you were to read something called the Westminster Catechism, there's a list of questions. And the first question is this. What is the chief end of man, woman? Man, woman's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That is who God has made us to be. To give God the worth that he is owed. That is what worship is. He has made us and we want to offer back to him all that he has given us. And we are designed to do that. So that is the best place to be, is in a place of worshipping God. And Isaiah is in the temple. And it's in that place, which I just find so exciting. A place where he's been hundreds, thousands of times, praying, worshipping as he always has done. And one day is different. He has this phenomenal vision of God. It's quite hard to picture exactly what it's like. There's angels with many wings covering their eyes and all sorts of things. But there is a noise. They're all singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And there's movement. There's smells. The place is filling with smoke and the temple is shaking. No question that he is in the presence of God. How incredible. And what an amazing sense of expectation of meeting God in that way. I wonder if you've ever gone to an ancient place of prayer. It might be an old church. It might be somewhere like Lindisfarne. And you have sensed the presence of God, even when there is nothing going on. But you pick up on that sense of hundreds of years of prayer and worship. And it's tangible. You can feel that God is there. That's the exciting part. When Kia was ordained last July, the preacher was talking about when she was um, out walking one time and liked looking in churches, and she went along to, to one church, and it was quite run down. In fact, there was a notice outside it saying, enter at your own risk. They were talking about the dilapidated building, But actually, she said, every church should have that written outside. Enter at your own risk. Why? Because the power of encountering God in worship is there every single time we come together. I wonder when you woke up this morning, whether you were thinking, fantastic. I wonder what's going to happen when we get there today. Because that's what we should be thinking. That as we worship together, we encounter God together, he meets with us, and we can respond to all that he is. And that's what's going on for Isaiah. But then let's look at what happens to Isaiah after that. He has this incredible sense of God's presence. What is he immediately struck by? His unworthiness. He turns and says... Woe to me, I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. The sense of being in God's presence immediately drives him to know who he is. Who he is in contrast to God. I don't think he needs God to boom out to him, look at who you are, Isaiah, remember what you did yesterday. Because God doesn't need to speak like that. By coming into God's presence, he hears God 
by being totally aware of who he is. When we meet with God, we see who we truly are in the light of him. His light shines into us and we see ourselves for who we are. And that can be daunting and that can be intimidating. And that's sometimes why we might put up a little bit of a barrier saying, I don't particularly want to get too close to God today because it might be disturbing and it might be challenging. But Isaiah senses that immediately. I am a man of unclean lips. Woe is me. But look how God responds. The angel comes immediately with that. It sounds quite graphic, and I'm not sure I'd want this to happen in confession here. But the hot coal is put on his lips, and immediately he is made clean. And when we encounter God and are aware of our unworthiness, God reaches out to us and makes us clean. And that place of confession should be a place of wholeness, of the sense of being made new again, and being made worthy. So confession is a good place. Not a place to unload our our bag of guilt and bring it out and say, oh, for heaven's sake, here I am again but actually a place of honesty, of vulnerability, where we meet God, we see ourselves for who we are, and we are made clean by him. God speaks to us by drawing us into his presence, by shining his light upon our lives, and we see ourselves for who we truly are. But in that place, he is with us and picks us up and makes us clean. Stunning absolutely phenomenal. And we can expect that every time we worship God. Isaiah doesn't stay there. Immediately he has that sense of being made new, of being made who he truly is. His response is one of this. Then I heard the voice of the Lord say, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And he said, go. Go and speak to my people. Isaiah responds to who he is. And in that sense of knowing who he is, he knows what God has in store for him. He knows that God has something for him to do. And in his situation, it's to be a prophet. To be a messenger bringing God's message to God's people. That's why we need a sign that says, enter at your own risk. Because when we meet God and see ourselves for who we are and made new in him, we know who we are in God's mission. We know what he's calling us to do. And there's no getting away from that. And that's why that can be quite daunting and challenging. Because sometimes life is actually okay. It's going along fine. And we don't want that sense of challenge. But God meets us in worship. Every time we come together, every time we sing together, you might be thinking, I wish it wasn't this song again. But actually, if we change our attitude and open up our expectations and say, we are coming together to give you praise, it is the praise to God that matters rather than how it makes us feel. 
But when we come together in that attitude, with the expectation that we are entering into the presence of God, we are giving him all that he is worth, that he will meet us in that place. We might squirm, but it's a place where he will pick us up. He will heal us. He will restore us. He will acknowledge our sadnesses, our disappointments. And he will say, I have a path for you. I have a direction for you. And I'm going to equip you and empower you on the way. And it's a natural response to say, here am I. Send me. Now, we're not all called to be prophets. We're not all called to go and, and continue that, that task that Isaiah had. That, you know, it was a horrendous task. We're not all called for that. But we are all called to become the people that God has made us to be. And that place of encounter allows us to sense, to feel, possibly to hear directly what God has in store for us. And that should be exciting. That should be a place that we long for more and more and more. To hear God speaking into our lives. That's why tears in church are fine. That's why joy in church is fine. Because we come as we are with all our emotions. And our worship should represent all of that. We encounter God. He meets with us. He picks us up. He restores us. He heals us. He holds us. He tells us, I know what it's like. You are my precious child. And we know what he's doing in our lives. Moulding us, shaping us, taking us forward. That is how we hear God. And it's incredibly exciting. So let's raise our expectations. Let's, every time we, we come together to worship with each other, be wondering, what is it God is going to be doing today? Where will I meet him? What will he say to me? Let's come praying that before we get here. Let's come humbly and saying, actually, it might be that none of the songs worked for me today, but I can see somebody over there who's really obviously meeting God in a special way, and I'll pray for them. And in doing so, I might meet with God in that way. Because I strongly believe that this is a powerful place. We worship with all of our lives, and we worship in different contexts, but there is a power in coming together and worshipping together, and God meeting each one of us individually and then speaking to us as a church. So let's be excited and let's raise our expectations. Amen.